All right, we are back for another episode of Developing Communities, the DevRel podcast. And today we have another extraordinary guest. You wouldn't believe it, but we seem to have extraordinary guests every time on the podcast. We're very lucky. <laughs> but today we are joined with Joyce Lin. Uh, Joyce, uh, maybe you can introduce yourself uh, to our listeners in a few minutes. Oh, yes. That's an extravagant introduction. I'll try not to disappoint. <laughs> um, my name is Joyce. I'm the head of developer relations at Postman. Postman is a popular API platform. I feel like most people in developer relations probably know Postman because they use Postman to demo their own tech. Yeah, yeah. We're very, very familiar with uh, Postman. Postman is one of those applications, uh, one of those tools where when you discover it, you wonder how on earth you did anything without it previously. Aww, <laughs> so, thank you. I didn't pay um, you to say that. <laughs> Wait, I'm not getting paid? <laughs> well, I'm also joined here with Alexandra uh, from Ponycode. Hello. So growth, growth hacker extraordinaire, developer relationship builder. Yes. From around the world. Alex, welcome. How are you doing in this fine December? I'm, I'm very good. I'm looking forward for Christmas because Christmas equal all uh, so many opportunities for cool marketing uh, uh, actions and amazing, uh, amazing marketing campaigns. And, uh, and another time I'm a bit jealous because it's one of those company Postman that uh, within the developer community gets so much brand recognition. Like people just know Postman. I was asking mm -hmm. around, the, around the table here at Ponycut and it, it, there is no wonder from junior to senior development uh, developers uh, postman is uh, is just well known so super happy to be here and i'm surprised uh, i thought mackenzie that you would be hangover given the extraordinary news <laughs> that i've heard yesterday yes yes Gigarian. we just closed uh, series b oh, so wow. yeah we well uh, you know we haven't had the party yet but our christmas party is uh coming up on friday so, you know what? I have high expectations. I have high expectations from our, from our team about what this Christmas party can do. But uh, Congratulations. You know, thank you. Thank you. But getting back, getting back on the topic, see, we've already, we've already, we've already <laughs> gone sidetracked. It took about two minutes. Uh, you know, I, I'm really curious about everyone's background. Now, we've had lots of developer advocates on here that work for a range of different companies some of them very technical uh some of them not postman is about as developer focused uh, as you can get what was your experience before joining devrel uh you know and coming on team at, at postman choice yeah i had had one developer advocate role prior to joining postman um, about four and a half years ago as a developer advocate. So uh, brand new to developer relations, as most people are probably. Um, and before that, I went to a coding boot camp. Um, it was kind of a break, a mid-career break that I was taking, the coding boot camp, just to kind of get my feet wet. Didn't know what I would do with it. But I came from a business background. So I did product marketing. I did um, marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's good. So, it's uh, not often, but it's great to see some marketing peeps uh, coming into developer relationship. Yeah, and I feel like that's a really good um, function to come from because you at least understand the focus on your target community. Um, growth hacker, I don't think that was a title at, at the time that I was back in the day, but I mean, I mean, a lot of times DevRel at companies are growth hacking. Uh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of uh, kind of similarities between there. And it's uh, really interesting. What, what, what drew you to, when you, when you did the coding boot camp and you moved across from this world, what drew you into developer relations? Was it the opportunity or was that specifically something that uh, you wanted to, to, to get into? So this was um, several years ago when I went to the coding boot camp and I hadn't heard about developer relations. I, I think at the time when I was graduating bootcamp, I was thinking about, okay, do I go into a full-time software engineering role? Do I go back in a product? Do I just do something else altogether? You know, it was probably like a mid-career, um, you know, kind of like a gopher. You're sticking your head out of the sand and you're looking around to see what else, what else do you want to do? Um, and I, I, I basically fell into it. I was, um, you know, going to events my personality is actually really suited for developer relations. And by that, I don't mean that I'm an extrovert, although I am. Um, but I love going to events. I loved hanging out. And I love just like mm -hmm. learning stuff from other people. 
So mm-hmm. I was already going to conferences and stuff like that and randomly like was, you know, shaking hands and trying to find a job. And somebody's like, we have a position that is actually pretty well suited to your background. And I, you know, went home and I Googled like, what is, I think it was developer evangelist was the title. I had no idea what it was. And I was like, this sounds pretty sweet. Count me in. Yeah. 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 I think on most episodes we've had the evangelist conversation where I think we're all like, we're all using the, we all kind of brought in under evangelist, but slowly kind of change our ways because of the, the connotations that can come and come with that. Yeah. Um, I'm super curious to hear a little bit more about uh, your position at Postman today and what it is that that kind of captured you into joining the team at Postman and what it is that you get to do in, in DevRel uh, amongst that team. As I said, super technical, super developer focused and super respected company. So it, it's, it's quite a privilege, I imagine. Um, yeah. So let me, let me think back to four and a half years ago when I first started and not really understanding developer relations as a function. I was fortunate enough to join Postman as a relatively early employee. So, um, but it was late enough in the story that they had already found product market fit. I think they were 3 million, had a community of 3 million when I joined. Now we're like 17 plus million. So I've seen it through several stages um, and I would say that a lot of times when I talk to other DevRel folks, it's really important to know the stage that you're at. Um, mm. Like, so I had never focused on awareness. You know, most people knew Postman already, even in the early days that I joined. So I was always focused on engagement or or education or something a little bit beyond top of the funnel. Um, I forgot what your question was, Mackenzie. <laughs> Well, it doesn't. I, well, I, your answer was great, regardless of what the question was. But I, I you know, just kind of thinking of uh, what, what, what. Firstly, what was it that drew you to to Postman? And I think that that's that's great. And the, the second kind of question is, what is it that you you know you get to do really in DevRel? And I think you're you're answering that that perfectly in understanding where the company is before diving into random DevRel activities, and so you can fine tune them. I do think that uh, when I talk to people looking for new jobs, some people are really interested in the role. What do you do on the day-to-day? Will I have the chance to still travel or do public speaking or write Mm -hmm. blog posts or whatever? Um, Other people are really concerned about the tech because if you're going to spend so much time digging into and learning new tech, like it damn well better be interesting to you. Um, And some people are interested in the company, you know, like I got to feed my kids. Will this company be around in X, X months, X years. And so I, I chose Postman. I actually wasn't excited about the tech um, when I first joined. And the reason why is because I thought Postman was kind of like this cool utility, but it wasn't like serious tech. Like most people, I didn't know much about what Postman was except as an API client. And that's totally fine. That's why there's so much recognition. You know, people punch a button and it works and it's like it lights up their day. But I wasn't that excited about the tech until much later on. What I was excited about was the 3 million, uh, community of 3 million, and being able to make a difference. If I wrote a blog post, so many more people would be reading it. If I showed somebody a tip, a productivity tip, just the ability to make the impact, that's what personally drove me. But it's going to be different for, for like everyone. It's uh, it's super interesting uh, because uh, it was actually my next qu- question. Like when you come to a company like Postman, you think most people came for the company, but that's not the reality. Like some people come for the, the job position you, you talked uh, about. Was the position was you, the position really matching your expectation of what you wanted to do as a DevRel? Like I'm interested into conference speaking because that's where I'm good at. That's why I take pleasure, and that's what you do now. Or is it more 360 in DevRel? Either um, were they surprised when you started to do that position and you ended up doing tasks that you didn't expect to do as a DevRel? Yeah, this is what are you going to be doing in your first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days um, is so important. And for me, at the stage of life that I was at and the types of companies I'd been at before, I really wanted a startup because I wanted to get my hands dirty with everything um, and Throughout my personal career history, I've been very generalist. 
you know, you talk about the T-shaped employee, the the stalk of my tea has never gotten really well developed, but my arms are very broad. And so at a startup, you have the luxury of being able to say, that sounds interesting. I'm going to do that. This is kind of neat. I'm going to do that next. And so I, they didn't have a clearly defined position. Um, and so I was able to do whatever the heck I wanted to in those early days. And that's what I, I love about, about early stage startups. Is that something that uh, you've experienced too, uh, Mackenzie? Uh, is your role evolved now that the company is like maturing? Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I started off almost two years ago now, my first DevRel uh, position. I was almost exclusively writing blog posts when I first started because this was how, well, it was kind of the strategy that that CEO had implemented Um I was the first ever person on the marketing team, so uh, uh, there wasn't much kind of structure. And so really focused on that. And then slowly and slowly, we've added all these elements in. And now like, right, we have a content writer blog. It's probably the least of my uh, activity, but speaking at conferences, uh, being able to do webinars and, and these things. It's been so fun to learn how to do all these things. I don't think that... Uh, I necessarily had the immediate skills to, or I know I didn't because I mean, these things took me so long to figure out, but, uh, yeah, I've benefited from that T-shape, uh, as well. I, I don't know if I should say this, my boss might listen to this <laughs> podcast, but you know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm a particularly an expert in, uh, in, in all these different little activities in DevRel, but I enjoy them so much that I almost like, I, I don't mind that it takes a little bit of time. I love going deep into this. Um, and, and as Joy said, as a startup, you have this, uh, great, this privilege of being able to tackle these subjects and saying, I think this is going to have value. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to figure it out and we'll get there eventually. Just come on the journey with me. <laughs> and I think that's, I think that's so wise. If you're so early stage, you're the first, um, DevRel in marketing focus on the writing. Like a lot of times people think of DevRel as like the public speaking or events or like, you know, shaking hands and because that's what's most visible. But if you can write well um, and you have strong written content coming out of your team, you can syndicate that into so many different channels and it just has a longer life and is so much more accessible and consumable by, mm -hmm. by so many, like you're widening your funnel just by focusing on the writing. So, oh man, that's a shame that you don't get to do as much writing nowadays because I always like to start with the writing and then and then like go out from there yeah well I still get to I still get to do I write about uh, you know I still write one or two blog posts uh, a month but I get to go really deep into specific topics so this is kind of the advantage of not having to do the uh, uh, the, the majority uh, but one of the one of the things that's really helped helped me on my journey is that We've, as the company's matured, we've, uh, we've employed these different people, growth hackers, uh, a content writer. And I can tell you that uh, having people to bounce off uh, improves your quality of work. And Toma, our, content, our primary content writer now, it, I feel like my blog posts have uh, improved so much since, since he's come there. And it's so important as a DevRel to tap into the community of other developer advocates, something I wish I'd done more of at the start because uh, people are so willing to, uh, to help and improve you on that. So uh, as you can see here, with Joyce giving up some of her time to be able to share <laughs> her experiences. I, I absolutely agree. I think um, you, sometimes I create content because I want to learn it and I want to dive deep into it. Oh, and yeah. like, it's purely selfish. But the only reason why, the only reason why y'all asked me to this podcast is because Postman has such a large community and there's just so much horsepower behind a community. A lot of times the content that I um, produce that does the best is a product of like, you know, hundreds of conversations, if not thousands of conversations that I get to have with the community in mm -hmm. bubbling that up, synthesizing it and like feeding it back to the community is one of the most valuable things I can do as a DevRelian, like just being a mouthpiece. I mean, it's, a part of it's product advocacy, but the other part of it is community advocacy saying, here's what like hundreds of y'all are doing. I don't know why I said y'all. I'm not from the South. Here's <laughs> what like hundreds of you people are doing and you should really be learning from each other. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I want to coin that phrase, Dev Brilliant. Is that what you just said? Or, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, I'm making a T-shirt now. I, I'm a Dev Brilliant. That's what yeah. Uh, no, but you were talking about uh, the size and the scale that you went through at Postman, uh, like how the company, I think I saw on LinkedIn that you were over 800, 800 sorry, employees and uh, the size of the, the community as well. Um, how does, as a DevRel, you, like, have you experienced being like in a washing machine? Are you, is there parts where you get lost because things grow so quickly? How do you maintain where you at and what you do and you try to stay consistent and faithful to what you love to do when in a company that grows so quick, so big? That's a, that's an interesting question. So I don't know where the 800 number came from. You said LinkedIn, we are actually around 450. Oh, okay. And I would say the vast majority of our headcount in terms of headcount, the vast majority came in the last one to two years. So you can see that in the early days and even as the community grew, fairly exponentially, we kept our headcount low. And now we're starting to feel some of that hockey stick, um, organizational growing pains uh, kind of stuff. Mm. And so DevRel has, um, at different points <laughs> in my time there, we've reported up through marketing. We've reported up directly through the CEO um, a couple times, both ways. And then um, now we report up through open technologies, which is uh, like, like it's Postman has it. It's our open source projects that, um, you know, that we're helping to support and fund. And so DevRel sits up under open technologies. I think that outside DevRel, all these other functions have grown that weren't there when I first started. So we got our first salespeople. We have customer success. We have support engineers. We have all these other functions that DevRel used to handle. And so the growth of those, even inside education, educating, I know like Twilio has a special advocate advocate arm that focuses on Twilio employees, educating Twilio employees, right? Oh, wow. Internal advocacy. And yeah. so we now have a function at Postman that that does that for us. So as we've been growing, like it's that's what I love about startups. You can say, no, 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 I want to hang on to that. Or yes, please, please. I don't want to do sales demos anymore. <laughs> yeah, you can really shape, you can, sh you can shape how the teams are formed in and around you by saying, you know, by, by holding on. And it makes total sense for a, for a startup to want to hold on to the areas that you want to do because they're the ones that you're going to put the most energy in. Can you run us uh, quickly through, because uh, you were talking about internal advocacy, so how many DevRel is there at Postman today? Like, how big is your team? Who do you currently report to until the next change? <laughs> yeah, um, so we are, DevRel includes community, advocacy, and in the past we've had education, but I would say that advocates primarily handle the education. Um, and so we are four developer advocates and senior developer advocates. Um, we have a technical community manager, open headcount if anybody's looking for a job. Um, we also have um, a program manager. And so the primary um, function is advocacy, but we also have some support functions, I would call them, that manage the broader programs, community programs. Um, I think we'll probably have a content a marketing manager soon. So Mackenzie, I, I heard you say that you guys, your team has a content person. Um, if I heard you correctly, I think that's incredibly important, especially um, the support staff around advocacy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, it's uh, it's it's very interesting. I love hearing about how these companies kind of evolve around. I'm surprised actually at the. I, I maybe it's because of the the distributed. I was surprised at the number of advocates. I. I because looking on uh, you know, your content, looking on the blog that you have, looking on your YouTube channel with hundreds and hundreds of videos on it, uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work that's gone into that for, for a relatively, relatively small team. How, what's, the, what's the schedule of the, the, the content and advocacy programs that, that you guys uh, you know, run out? I, do you guys have uh, you know, these, these jam-packed, uh, schedules? Do you do deep dives? What, what's kind of expected of you uh, as an advocate in this very technical, very fast moving company? 
That's a funny question that you asked too, because we're we're internally we're like, should we establish some sort of goal? Um, because <laughs> you you were saying you were saying I don't get a chance to write much anymore. I only do two blogs a month. Holy cow, that's fantastic and super productive. I talked to another DevRel that's like, my boss wants me, my head, the head of marketing wants me to write six blogs a month. And um, at one point, I thought that's what my boss wanted from me. Um, at one point, I was like, you want blogs? I'll give you blogs. Here's five blogs in five days. And they weren't bad. I wasn't like unproud of them. But the CEO was like, you know what? I don't want five blogs in five days. I want deeper dives, right? So it's not so much about the count of content, but it's about the breadth and reach for, for Postman. Um, so you can, you know, you can write a blog post that takes you an hour and you can write a blog post that takes you more than a month. But what is the purpose of that content? Um, so we, we actually divvy it up into like, like feature announcements, like very feature product focused. And then we have, mm -hmm. we, the far end of it is we call them better practices and it's like super deep dive life cycle. You've talked to at least like 10 like huge honking companies and you've boiled this down and then you have a recipe in there and you have like a prototype, like all this like really heavy, heavy, long form written content that can then get chopped up into different bits for different channels. Yeah, I, I, I agree so much. Uh, I've gone to, uh, to stages of trying to kind of pump out a bit more Bit more content, um, but uh, it's there's something very satisfying about uh, writing an in-depth blog. And I can tell you, the one audience you cannot bullshit to is uh, is developers. And if you write something that just looks like it's content marketing, it it doesn't really provide value. The goal is to get someone to the page and then off the page to some kind of goal. Uh, never works. Well, at least not for me. So I, I think that that's a, a, an important element that you make, that we shouldn't try and quantify content work based on like X number of videos, X number of, of blog posts, uh, in, instead breaking it up into chunks. I think that's uh, really important. Something that, uh, something that I, I, I definitely, definitely advocate for myself. Yeah, and if your name is the one going on the byline, like if if your name is behind content, I absolutely urge you to push back on anybody that is trying to like flower up your language. Um, Postman went through a website rehaul a few years ago where we removed all of our marketing adjectives from our website. We were like, developers don't need to see that it's simply or easily or, you know, mm. like those kind of adjectives don't help a lot and so we just kind of like stripped all of our stuff i still sometimes write simply um and like marketing words creep in there but i um during editing we actually strip all of that out you know i i i faced the wrath of the developer community uh one time where i, I spent so much energy on this this video called uh state of uh, what is secrets role uh, and I was really proud of it. I'd spent probably too much time on this video, and I had one sentence in there that was very salesy. I think it was some, something like the line, so Gigaian has the world's best secrets detection engine. And that line was enough to get everyone was like, nope, this is a sales pitch. I don't want it. It's, uh, it's, it's not for me. Uh, and that was kind of a, a lesson is to really get rid of those marketing adjectives. There, uh, it's... You can sometimes feel pressure to be a sales agent, but I don't think it ever works out in the in the way that you you expect it to. Agreed. Actually, uh, your background in marketing, I, th I think you're the first uh, DevRel that we've interviewed that has a business background and make a shift through uh, through your career. Um, and I was wondering, is it uh, a good bagage? Uh, I, I don't know if we say that in English. In, in French, we, we say a good the, the what we bring with us from our previous uh, working life is uh, like a luggage. So is the marketing luggage that you brought with you in your DevRel life a good one? or a bad one, uh, and uh, did it make it difficult to talk with uh, DevRel who has a technical-only background? That's hilarious because in English, baggage or luggage is uh, has a negative connotation, <laughs> bringing along your baggage. But I love <laughs> switching that around. So my luggage from previous like business roles, 
I think um, it depends on what you are doing in, in marketing or in whatever business function, even in product. If you are focused on the user, if you did like the marketing word is segmentation, if you did anything like that, where you tailored your message to a specific audience. So I think both of you were commenting that Postman is heavily like developer focused and that is our biggest segment, but we have so many other hugely represented functions like testers, like DevOps people, people that might not identify as um, developer. Mm -hmm. And so when we create new content, you really need to be having in your mind, mind's eye, exactly who you're talking to because they'll have different terminology and have different technical backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. So like before I transitioned into DevRel, I was in tech. I was doing, um, I was at tech companies. So I was like working with engineers. I was working with like scrum teams and stuff like that, but I wasn't technical. I don't think that um, for developer advocate, at least, you need to be as in the weeds as a developer. You can still maintain credibility understanding and, you know, feel the pain. You need to be technical enough to feel the pain and have gone through some of those, um, some of those things that developers go through on the day to day, but I don't think not being as technical as a developer hurts my credibility. What about imposter syndrome? Oh, for sure. Like everyone has <laughs> imposter syndrome. It, in, To be honest, like, um, oh, to be honest, when I first started at Postman, I was reporting up through marketing. They were busy. I was handling like talks. I was handling Q and A. I was handling like just live events within my first month, and I was sweating. I was like, I don't even know the product that well yet. Um, and so I think part of that is just you know, you hear this a lot in like Devrel people conversations, but just being authentic and not trying to like bullshit your way through something. There's always some bullshit that goes on in tech, but you don't need to do that because you will always have some level of expertise sitting inside that company, having access to those relationships with those developers, those product people. That's, that's my two cents. Like you don't need to bullshit your knowledge. Mm. Authenticity has come up in, I think every podcast that we've sure. done. It's like the number one thing sure. um, that comes up. And, and it kind of comes up in a way where I think people have have, have had experiences where they've, they've almost themselves not been authentic because either they're trying to be too salesy, they're trying to kind of, they, they have their imposter syndrome, they're trying to elevate their knowledge to a point where, uh, where you can't kind of walk the walk. Um, but when you're authentic, then uh, it's, it, I think it's a game changer. I have a, a question uh, to other people in the marketing uh, area or business area that are looking at DevRel, uh, wanting to, to make the switch. What, what advice do you give them, assuming that you know, this is someone in your position that doesn't have a huge technical background? Stop pressuring um, me, McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to Alex? If Alex, what <laughs> to convince Alex to come over to DevRel? <laughs> come over to the dark side, Alex. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many. Um, there's so many transferable skills. It it actually doesn't matter what function you come from. There's all. If you come from straight development, if you come from like a non-technical role, if you come from the business side, there's always something. I mean, this is like getting a little bit philosophical and not super tangible, but what do you have? Oh gosh, this sounds super cheesy, but I'm going to say it. What do you have that um, really shines? And as like an advocate or as a DevRel person in DevRel, what would make you shine and just lean heavily on those, um, lean heavily on those strengths. So it, it's just like a philosophical shift. Let me just say it's instead of like ramping up your weaknesses, which you should always do put more emphasis on ramping up and accentuating your strengths i think uh, maybe i'm just more cheesy than you are but i thought that i that i thought that was great i didn't think that was cheesy at all <laughs> and, and part of it is like the the love for the community and the empathy for the community that can be found in any function i mean you're on this podcast you host this podcast so you are interested in this space you're interested in sharing you're already 
doing DevRel. Yeah, Alex, Alex, Alex is the undercover DevRel. Uh, he thinks he's a growth hacker. We just haven't told him that his actual job is in uh, DevRel yet. <laughs> Can't wait to update my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I, uh, sorry, go for it, Mackenzie. No, you go for it. No, no, but I, I just wanted to bounce back because you're talking about embass. Uh, uh, we were talking about empathy and, and authenticity, and now about how you the love for the community. And I know, Mackenzie, you, you told me a couple of times in previous episodes that sometimes the community doesn't give it back, uh, meaning that uh, online, uh, I think specifically, uh, it can be a rough place uh, and negative comments can feel overwhelming. Uh, is that something that you've been uh, facing and how have you been dealing with it? I'm going to really piss off some DevRelians now, but I would say that I've been so fortunate that people typically have love for Postman. Like if you look at like net promoter scores or even like people in the community, if you, they, if they get a freaking sticker, they're like so like delighted. There's love for the brand. So overwhelmingly, most of the interactions that I have online and in person are positive. Now you are going to get trolls and we draw plenty of trolls at Postman. Um, and then you do have people that are facing an issue that legitimately they are irate. They are filled with rage and something mm -hmm. has go gone wrong with what they're doing that day. And I think um, as somebody that interacts with that first line, I, I think you have to think of it again. I'm going to say that word empathy, but think about a time when you were so mad you threw a tantrum, you're stomping your feet and you're like knocking over like cardboard boxes. This is what that person feels like right now. So if you approach that conversation and you're going to either reply on a forum, you're going to reply to a tweet or however you approach it, just understand where they're coming from. I have, I have one line that I use that I, I, I use it and it's, it's my go-to whenever anything gets particularly hostile is I say, uh, so they'll be complaining about the Geek Guardian service. They'll be annoyed about something. And I will say, taking off my Geek Guardian hat, I completely understand where you come from. But putting it back on, and then for whatever reason, that acknowledgement that, hey, I'm a human. I know where you're coming from. But I'm going to now answer in the way that I, I, I need to to try and help you move the problem. That has created for me uh, kind of so much more of a positive reaction. And then that will reply to you. I appreciate you know you getting real to, to me. Uh, that's the one line that I think I've, I felt to letting the other person know that hey, you're you're a person, you you have dealt with this too, you've felt like this too. But let's stop being silly and let's solve the issue that you're facing because it's obviously affecting you. And since we already rode the cheese train, I will say that that's how <laughs> people are in life. If you're wondering why somebody's so grouchy or coming at you, it's because they don't feel heard. And once you make somebody feel heard, you can then move forward like rational adults. Mm. You know, when you just said the cheese train, it reminded me, I had dinner uh, <laughs> last week at, uh, in the Netherlands at a place called the Le Caspar, which means a cheese bar. And it was like a sushi train, but with different types of cheeses that go around and clear oh. and wine. <laughs> you take off. So when you said the cheese train, I was like, oh, yeah, that's taking me back to the, the Caspar. Literal cheese train. Cool. <laughs> that, that can be the, the name of our episode. And we, if you can put a picture of that cheese train, that will confuse people. <laughs> that would be perfect. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a technical question uh, that I've been wanting to ask. Now, I, I wanted to... Uh, to ask this because this is something that I want to explore, I want to deep down, and it's something that you uh, in particular, uh, Postman in general, but also I've seen uh, you a lot, of, a lot on this as I've been following Postman, is you do a lot of live streaming events that come, that come through, particularly on areas like Twitch. How, and you manage it really well. Do you have any tips for people, particularly wanting to start out in live streaming? It can be scary. It's, a, it's a, you know, because you can't go back and, uh, and post and take away things that you said, but what, what do you what do you have any advice for people wanting to go out uh, to to live stream and even you know platforms tools that you use to help you? Yeah, I freaking love streaming, and uh, Postman has done so many. We started, we're about to close our second season, so we've been doing it for two years since pandemic started. Um, and I'm, it's just such a shame that it was pandemic that caused us to move there. Mm -hmm. We should have been doing it earlier. Um, 
I got started because I attended, I was a guest on somebody else's, I will give a shout out to Jason Langsdorf. Fantastic. I think they're at Netlify now, but fantastic. Learn with Jason um, stream. And I, you know, like after the stream, I, I sat there for 15 minutes, just peppering questions about what, how, how his monitors are set up, wh- what he uses to restream mm-hmm. and so forth and so forthcoming with sharing those details. So I would say, talk to somebody that does it. Um, and then just, you know, mine that information role, you know, you don't need to start from scratch. Postman now streams via Restream, restream Restream.io. It's similar to a, what's that other one? StreamYard? StreamYard, yeah. The Duck logo. Yes, Duck, Duck. And we stream to Twitch, to YouTube, to LinkedIn. Um, And then another one that I, I think Twitter used to have something, but they shut that one down. And so we do multi-platform, which is kind of like not that great. I would recommend for somebody starting out, pick a platform, invest some resources into it, invest in that community that's at that single platform. And then the other a couple tips, make sure you're not going to leak secrets. Or if you do leak secrets, it's going to be something that you don't mind. So just have a setup where you're using dummy accounts, maybe your desktop is cleared of anything sensitive, all that kind of stuff. And then if if you start with the dummy account, what can go wrong, right? What do you need to trim out after in post? I, I think it's a pretty low consequence type of content and it's super fun. Don't leak secrets. That's all about yeah. <laughs> everything that we're about. Get so, yeah. That would yeah. that would be a disaster if I did a live stream and I leaked the secret. So. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I just saw uh, not so long ago. I, I was uh, attending a webinar uh, from uh, Git Guardian, and I saw uh, Mackenzie as a speaker be able to uh, to host the webinar while changing the battery of his video. And I really thought, in this moment, he's a superhero. Like he's, <laughs> he's better than that the was, rest of us. That was today. That was today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm worried about this one. I, I left my, uh, I have like a, a plug-in for my camera and I left it. I left it somewhere. So now I'm back to old school batteries. Never mind. But even even little like foibles like that, I think it's totally fine. There's a huge difference. Postman does webinars that are very structured, very serious, like sit down, let me broadcast some content to you. I've put a lot of thought into this. And then we do streams and they are apples and oranges. So a lot of times like mm-hmm. business folks see it's a it's a channel that feels very similar. A person sitting at home with their face looking at a screen and like absorbing content. It's different. It's different than an on-demand video. It's really about the engagement and interaction with the audience. And so the more, ironically, the more you struggle, the higher up your engagement metrics go because people are trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking a little bit about practical, about uh, the platforms you, 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 you stream on. I was curious, uh, what, uh, what, what was successful this year? Uh, which platform you really found your community? Uh, which things you were a bit disappointed about maybe? And uh, what are your maybe new things you want to do in 2022 if you're not revealing too many secrets? Yeah, no, I mean... We tried a couple of things in 2021. One was increasing the cadence of our um, streams. One was switching up the time zones. Where is our primary audience? Um, and so right now, we're even people that are participating on the streams, what would be a better time of day for them to deal with? We also introduced a couple new formats. Um, I will say LinkedIn Live has been super shaky. So if anybody's over in DevRel LinkedIn, give me a shout out because... So many people are coming in through LinkedIn, but that whole experience is real jank. Um, I will say that the format, I mean, but again, huge audience. So it's worth investing in and testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we have a few new formats that kind of like spice things up. So we do live coding. We also have a really cute format called Blindfold Challenge, where it's like, come on our stream. And then we just surprise you with an API with a secret challenge. And then you have to like muddle your way through it. So there's no prep. Um, and that's, I feel like the audience really likes that because they get to help. They, they, the, um, the streamer is starting from the exact same point that the audience is. Okay. And in 2022? In 2022, we are keeping, um, a, a weekly cadence is probably a good sweet spot for postmen. 
Um, we are varying up the format. So we're introducing more how we built it, like talk show style, um, oh. which is like less live coding. But those seem to be pretty interesting, like that slash AMA, ask me anything style formats. Um, and then just looping in more external folks, because it's if it's the same people, you kind of see the same patterns of learning. Mm. Like they, they, oh, oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> that she existed. Oh, no, we've done it again. It's all right. I have a, yeah, it's, I, I, we can a, keep going. Here's a hint. Well, I have a battery that um, hooks in directly to the, to the outlet. Yeah, I got, so I got one. I left it. I left it. I was ah. so mad. I have to tell this morning. So then I was madly trying to, uh, trying to charge my batteries. But, but never mind. We will, we will continue in yeah. the dark. <laughs> Uh, I'll describe all my movements. No, I'm just yes. kidding. <laughs> I, I, I have a question here, and uh, I think this is kind of an important things to, to bring up. Technology and particularly software engineering still uh, very much male dominated, male dominated area. Um, but we're 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 starting to see some improvements, especially in the world of advocacy, which is great because it means that people can actually see. Uh, software engineers and people in this space out there that aren't just, uh, you know, the, the, the males that you, you, you're used to see. Has it been a challenge for you in DevRel to come into that space? Um, have you faced any f feedback? And, and how could we keep pushing down this to encourage uh, more and more people and diversity in the software engineering space? I will say that I, I would, I think because of the, my previous background, I haven't faced as much like, let's just call it discrimination, um, as some of my peers, um, because, because I came from the business realm. However, I, I will say that I, I do see, I face all sorts of microaggressions. That's real. Everyone, uh, if anyone's doubting that, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I will say that, um, one area that I, I see like is in events. I will give a shout out to my, um, my colleague, Jan Shank, who is creating a new way for Postman to sponsor events um, and speak at events. So right now, if somebody asks me to speak at something, I'll take a look at it and I'll be like, okay, that seems interesting. Let me go. But it's really subjective. And it's really like, I don't look to see what is the diversity in that conference oh, well, maybe I shouldn't go there because this is really piss poor and I'm going to be their token uh, female on a panel or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so um, Jan is creating a really good structured quantitative approach to assessing um, a ton of stuff, but especially diversity inclusion. What, what type of organization are you that we should support? Or should a company like Postman that has a bazillion users say like, no, please use our leverage to increase the diversity. We haven't done enough of that. So Postman is huge, but we haven't done enough to swing our weight around to impact um, diversity. And that is, that is a shame, but at least we're moving in the right direction now. Yeah, I can, I can certainly see progression in the advocacy space. I think that's really important because it's good to be able to, that people can relate, relate to the person they see on the stream, relate to the person that, you know, is, that is more like them. But, uh, we we need to. We also have power and responsibility as advocates to not to really ensure that we 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 only speak at conferences that have diversity and inclusion policies and areas like this. Uh, so an important an important aspect uh, of it. I will say that advocacy is probably like a little bit more. You see a little bit more diversity in the yeah. people that are inver involved versus like um, straight engineering. However, what happens is like I constantly go <laughs> go to conferences and people are like, are you in HR or marketing or like, can I talk to your colleague? <laughs> oh, you mean the summer intern? Sure. Go ahead and talk to the summer intern. So, I mean, like stuff uh, like that doesn't make my life fun. But I will say that in terms of representation, we're at least ahead of general like engineering, which is still piss poor, but. Mm, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, and I, 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 I can imagine that, especially in conferences, uh, coming into that, and and how frustrating it must be. But but we must push forward, and uh, you know, and I really admire and encourage 
everyone out there who's looking at moving into DevRel that this is it's a very welcoming uh, community and space, um, and it's it's a great place to where we can start to affect change within these communities by adding representation and by supporting uh, diversity in, in in conferences and, and that. Agreed. Uh, Mackenzie, I, I don't want to be annoying, but... Yeah, yeah, it's time. It's time, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been 45 minutes, so usually uh, one last question that we have when we try to wrap things up is uh, for you to share. You, you've done a few shout-outs already, but for you to share maybe uh, a company or a person or an organization that uh, does a DevRel or does a developer marketing, uh, something that you find really cool that you've seen recently, or maybe a piece of content uh, that could help uh, DevRel out there. Uh, is there anything uh, that could be useful for this end of the year, maybe a Christmas gift uh, for, for DevRel's? Maybe Mackenzie. Mackenzie, you have one for me? Ah. <laughs> you start. I'll think. Okay. Well, I saw, I'm, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find uh, my, my comment that I made in here today. But Today, I saw something really simple and really cool. And, and what it was, I was on this blog. It was a technical article that I actually found through Twitter. I noticed that it had huge engagement, um, which was, you know, which is, can be rare for these technical articles sometimes. And I went on to it, and the blog was great, but they had one key element that I think was really critical in making sure that it, uh, it was uh, kind of shared in access. Was it had a, the very first thing you saw at the top right of the page was that was the author's tweet of the article and a way that you could like it without leaving the article itself. You would like it and retweet it through Twitter. And it created hundreds and hundreds of reshares and thousands of likes. And I just thought that, hey, that's a really, really cool tip uh, to do it. It was from an individual uh, developer on their personal blog. And uh, now I've lost it. Now I can't find it. But give me a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll change back over to Joyce and then I'll see if I can find what, what I was talking about. Okay. Thank you very much for going <laughs> first. I have two. Um, one is not really like a DevRel team, but something neat that I saw that I swear can be used everywhere. I believe it was on Hacker Noon, if I'm not mistaken. I'm probably getting this mixed up with another platform, but Hacker Noon is um, whatever you think about the actual publication. Um, they have a cool widget that reads out loud, like the audio, mm -hmm. it's text to speech, little audio reading. And then you could choose like which voice you want to hear that in, in terms of accessibility and just like enjoyableness to interact with content. I feel like that's a widget that everyone should be adding to their own websites. Um, that's one shout out. And then the other shout out, I'm a big, big narcissist. So I'm going to be talking about Postman for a sec, but it's people that are in the Postman community. So earlier this year, we launched an ambassadorship program and we already have a bunch of, we call them supernovas because it's our space theme. We have people going around to events, pitching conference talks, hosting meetups, talking and teaching other people about Postman. And I've been with the company four and a half years and this is the first time we've had an official ambassadorship program. And shame on us because people have been doing this for years and like just sharing cool stuff with the community. And we haven't really gotten behind them to give them like financial support, emotional support or, or any of that. And so the shout out is for people in the community that are creating content. They're not getting paid for it. They're not necessarily influencers, but they're still sharing stuff with the community. So I would deplore any DevRel person to identify those nuggets and Think about what you can do to lift them up and amplify their voice because that is so much more valuable um, to your to, to your OKRs than than probably like having a procedural way to lift up the community voices is more important than any blog post you're working on right now. Okay, wow, that's really cool. And I'm gonna, in the spirit of this, I'm gonna shout out to one of these content writers that I was just talking about before, Simon Wilson. So you go to simonwilson.net is his personal blog. And here he had uh, this really cool way of being able to share his articles. So Simon, thanks for writing great content. Yay, Simon. <laughs> 
Very well. Uh, thank you uh, to the both of you for sharing. Uh, do I have something? Actually, I'm, uh, Mackenzie knows I have a slight uh, obsession for TikTok, so I'm always amazed by developer community TikToks because you have to find a, an, a, a, an adequate topic for TikTok, and then you have to make it fit this super tight format. And I see some really amazing content. I didn't write down anything, but maybe I, I should for, ne for next time. Uh, I really Alex, I just launched my TikTok account like two weeks ago. Yay! Yeah. Yes! Oh, what is the handle? Give us the handle. I'm not going to tell you because it's still pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I'm playing around with all the filters. I'm TikTok. like a little mouse. I'm a mouse like talking about Jason object notation. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. But I wish you the best practice and ultimately a point where you feel confident enough to share the, the handle. We'll, uh, we'll uh, share it to the community as well over here. Thank you. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, let's wrap it up. Maybe um, you can tell us uh, where we can see you or, or where we can um, yeah, see your content. Uh, what's next maybe for the end of the year, if, if you still have a few broadcasts or a few uh, publications coming up? Yeah, for me, we have a stream coming up. Uh, what day is it today? We have a stream coming up tomorrow. That is one of those blindfold challenges. It's it's just a fun, fun format. And then we have a, our season two closer um, the following week. So myself and Arla Mitropo, who is based in London, we just have fun and we're just going to play games, do some sweepstakes. I don't know. I just love streams. It's it's a fun time. It's a fun time in the week for me. So I it's really good stress relief. Um, you can find me on TikTok if you can find me. And, and if, <laughs> if people want to follow you and follow your adventures, should uh, what do what's your favorite platform? Uh, Twitter, maybe Twitter handle. Yeah, my Twitter handle is Petunia Gray. Go ahead and um, you know ping me, show me your link me to your TikToks, and I'll see I'll see what you're doing. <laughs> Yay! See, if you if it, if it meets the the high level of the cheese train that we're after. <laughs> what about you, Mackenzie? Uh, I, I believe we're going to see you on the other side of the Atlantic soon. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my handle, at Advocate Mac. I'm in New York next week for uh, an in-person event, which is Information Security Meetup uh, in New York. Um, so, heading over to our friends in the Americas, uh, which, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Cool. Amazing. <laughs> and on my side, uh, well, Ponycode, Ponycode Dev on Twitter, as usual, you can reach out to me there. And uh, thank you for maybe some of you guys uh, joined on the AI Meetup Paris we organized last week. Uh, we're going to post the replay on the Ponycode blog soon if you're interested in machine learning and, and such things. Yeah. And uh, well, I think that's maybe uh, our last episode for the year. We'll see. I'd like to do an episode uh, interview interviewing you, Mackenzie, because the more I know you, the more mysterious you become. So maybe we can do that. <laughs> but, but, but for today, we're going to thank Joyce for joining us. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Thank you for joining and, and playing the game with us of the DevRel uh, interview. All right. Thank you. Nice, nice to meet you both. Take Goodbye. Care.